China blacking out Boston games in their country. He has used social media interviews to call Chinese President Xi Jinping a dictator. Written free to bet on his shoes, called out Nike for doing business and making many of their shoes in China. He's also urged President Biden to boycott the upcoming 2020 Winter Olympics in Beijing. Last week, he challenged LeBron James over his ties to Nike in China. Actually did it before the Celtics played the Lakers last week. And it's a very interesting topic because he's not the only person ripping LeBron James. You have the Fox crowd that's all over LeBron James constantly. Ted Cruz has been ripping him a new one. All of these all of these pundits, political pundits have have Going after LeBron James. And LeBron James is, has, that's the downside of when you have an athlete that's like Ali. Someone that speaks up on social injustices. Someone that talks about Black Lives Matter. Someone that talks about George Floyd. Someone that talks about Ahmaud Arbery. Someone that talks about Kyle Rittenhouse. And I'm a big fan of LeBron James, the the man. I don't, I don't always like his antics on the court. I think that. Some of the things he does on the court are, are a little goofy. The the constant whining about fouls and if he's even touched, if you even if you even if you even blow on LeBron James accidentally, he's throwing he's throwing his hands up in the air. I think the statue when LeBron James retires and he has a statue. At the Staples Center, next to Shaq, and next to Kobe, he will his his statue will have his arms extended, complaining to the refs about I didn't I didn't touch that person, complaining complaining either for a foul call or saying that a foul that was called against him was was inaccurate and unfair. I think LeBron James is a little sensitive for someone that's the best in the world at what he does. I don't I'm not a fan of the hairline and, and, and all of that stuff with the shoe polish. He 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 seems to 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 be in his feelings a lot for someone that is as great and transcendent as he is. That said, those are very nitpicky things. I mean, this man's a great father. He's been a great player since the day he stepped on the court. So he came in with all the fanfare, all the accolades, all the expectations. This this guy's had the spotlight on him since he was at St. Vincent St. Mary's, since he was fifteen years old. It's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Delivered on everything that he was supposed to deliver on. Four-time champion. 
people knock him for losing six times in the finals, and that's 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 what separates him from from Goat Jordan. But he's been in the finals ten times. That's amazing. He's had an amazing career. He's still one of the best players in the NBA. He's one of the few athletes that year 15, year 16, year 17 in is still elite. He's in that group with, with the Barry Bonses, the, the Serenas, the Muhammad Ali's. Even Jordan can't say that he was great for 15, 16, 17 years. Even Kobe, once Kobe tore his Achilles, rest in peace, was not the same basketball player, although had a had a great career. A lot of people compare LeBron to Kobe. I give LeBron a slight edge, but they were both the, uh, some of the baddest men on, on the planet. And both generational talents. LeBron is a, is a fantastic father from what we see, is a fantastic husband from what we see, is engaged, is at, is at his son's games on the front row cheering constantly. Not a lot of rumors or innuendo about LeBron James and his personal life. You've never caught him. He never had never had a DUI. Never been involved in some type of scam. Never been arrested. Never had some domestic dispute call. Still with the same woman that he was with back in high school. So there's really not a lot of negative things to say about LeBron. Other than other than maybe he had that he rubbed it into the to the Cavs fans when he, when he went to the Heat and had that boys and girls club fiasco. And then said that not one, not two, not three, not four. He, he went to that. But other than that, that's nitpicky stuff. That's not character stuff. I love that LeBron speaks on social injustice. I wish that more of our elite athletes and people that had the, the, the bully pulpit, that had the platform, that had the props, that had the swag, that had the cachet, that had the gravitas, would speak more on African-American issues in our communities. But in this particular case, I actually agree with Ted Cruz and I actually agree with Sean Hannity and I actually agree with Laura Ingram and I actually agree with Tucker Carlson. Now, they're right for the wrong reasons. Their reasons is they're coming after LeBron for political gain. To discredit him as a man, to discredit his character, to besmirch his reputation. And I have no interest in any of those things. But it is very difficult when you really strip this apart. And trust me, I'm a part of this problem because I'm a sneakerhead. I'm a junior sneakerhead. Now, the real sneakerheads, the more and more I talk about that, I'm trying to find a good sneaker person to come and do a reoccurring segment on the show. I have roughly 100 pairs of, of sneakers. And that's more than most, but that's not a real sneakerhead. I was explaining to one of my friends, like, to be a sneakerhead, you had about 500 pairs. Like, I'm, I'm a junior. I'm a junior sneakerhead. I'm a, I'm a hobbyist. I'm not that guy that gets every shoe in every, every Jordan in every suit and every color. And if it's a hot pair, I get two pairs. One that's just going to be in a glass case. The other that I'm wear once a year. And I love purchasing sneakers, and I'm always on StockX or eBay getting sneakers because I wear a size 13. It's hard for me to get sneakers that come out. And I'm a part of the problem because this thing with China is a, is a big deal. Now 
what's going on now, they're talking about human rights abuses. And in communist China, people don't have rights like they do in the United States. People, people disappear into thin air that, that speak out against the atrocities that are happening in China. People don't have the ability to go up against the regime. So that's, that's, a major, that's a major issue that's going on in China. But I don't think that's the LeBron issue because it's not – he can't be responsible for a tennis player or for an athlete in China that speaks out against sexual harassment, assault, the regime, communism, all of those things. He has no, he has no responsibility for that. He can't control that. That's not something that 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 he could do anything about. Now he could he could divest of his interests in China. He could speak out against it, but we know that the NBA doesn't want people to speak out against China. We found out with found that out with Daryl Morey when he was the GM of the Rockets. China consumes the NBA. China is a, is, is a huge consumer of NBA, NBA products, their games, their jerseys, their paraphernalia. I was thinking about uh, Sonia Ping, who she spoke out. She's a tennis player in China. She spoke out a bit against sexual harassment from, from the regime, sexual assault. She disappeared in the thin air for a few weeks. Next time you saw her was some, some televised, stage televised, Event. We don't know where she is. She'll be locked in some cell somewhere. We have no idea. And that's what happens in a communist regime. I mean, you can't, you can't speak out against China. But at some point, we do have to look in the mirror because these shoes that many of us consume, myself especially, are made in China by slaves under a communist regime in an environment where people do not have a choice. It's not like here or in the United States, people are like, man, post-COVID, I'm not working for less than 22 bucks an hour. I'd rather get, I don't want to use the word welfare, but I'd rather get, I'd rather get government benefits than go out and work for, for, for 11 bucks an hour. And I actually, in some ways, kind of understand that. We have to have living wages in the United States. But it's difficult to, to fly that flag when you're benefiting and prospering from slave labor in China, and it's a, it's a huge pink elephant that's in the room that we have to deal with, that we have to solve, that we have to discuss, because, because it's a major, major issue. You have the epitome of like a caste system, the epitome of, of modern day slavery. And that allows Nike to get shoes made for $3 that they flip and sell for $200. And if you're me or you, you're selling them for, for $300 on StockX. Like I said, the Fox crowd is right about LeBron, but for the wrong reasons. It does matter that he has not spoken out against those things. It does matter that the NBA hasn't spoken out against those things. It does matter that Phil Knight and Nike have not spoken out against those things. Like my guys, the Ohio State University and Oregon and Alabama and North Carolina and USC and all of, all of these Nike schools that benefit 
from this. The NBA that has the Nike jerseys. The NFL that has the Nike jerseys. They're all in bed with this communist regime that makes people who talk about them disappear into thin air. That forces people to work for slave wages and they're in it for profit. Now me, I'm the ultimate capitalist. I say that all the time. I'm not ashamed of being a capitalist, but it's a major issue. It, it, it is hypocrisy. It is a problem. And it exposes LeBron James to, to being ripped. And ultimately it's business. Everything's business. But when the Trump supporters and that crowd disenfranchises black and brown people in the United States, they like to hide behind the concept. Well, it's business. It's business. In this case, we're doing the same thing. We're kicking the can down the road to China and not their government officials, the rich fat cats, but those who don't have a choice, those who are, are, are enslaved. They're not even they're not even disenfranchised. They're literally enslaved. So you can have the LeBron 8 South Beaches that just came out. And you could go to whatever Christmas parties you have or whatever winter events you have in your fresh pair of kicks. And, and like I said, I'm a part of the problem. I'm ripping, I'm, I'm, hippie, I'm ripping myself. I'm a hypocrite. But it's a very legitimate critique on LeBron James. And we, and we have to, we can't hide behind it. Hey, these guys are only ripping him because they're racist and they hate to see a young black man that's a billionaire that's so successful. All of that stuff is true. But like I said, sometimes you're right but for the wrong reason, and this is definitely one of those cases. Paragon 7 Studios. You are done. Fired. Do not show your face at the laundry again. Stay away from Pinkman. Do not go near him. Ever. Are you listening to me? Or else she'll do what? What did you say? Stay away from Pinkman. Or else you'll do what? You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. It's time to switch to T-Mobile. Right now, pay zero cost when you do. Keep your number and keep your phone. We'll even pay it off. Only at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Black women are fierce, brilliant, courageous, dope. Black women are making a difference, making history, and changing the world. I think about all of the black women who have showed up to fight for justice. We are starting to finally accept all the skills and talents a woman can bring to the table. Urban One, thank you. This one is so special. In the sports talk radio justice world, mediocre quarterback play and porous tackling are considered especially heinous. On the Lance J Show, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad at Paragon 7 Studios. These are their stories. You're on the music side, and, and if you could talk a little bit more about the music side, what your your specific role in Operation Song? Are you the kind of the individual that's that's put the rubric together, uh, the person that's kind of 
the 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 curator so to speak the 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 engineer so to speak what what is your specific role and and how did you bring all of these awesome people like like mr mike buyer over here and and the people that you work with around the country together well just uh, i was a professional songwriter in nashville starting in 1985 and i never served and didn't really probably like a lot of civilians i didn't interact that much with the military or Mm -hmm. think about it But I was lucky enough to write songs for Reba McIntyre, Trisha right. Yearwood, Keith Urban, Jake Owen, right. a couple hundred country artists. Uh, let me let me rewind that. Let me let me pause that. What is that life life like? Because the eighties, it's a great time in music. Now in the eighties, in nineteen eighty five, I was seven, so I was uh, in nineteen eighty five. Was right around the time I'm seven years, eight years old. Um, MTV is starting to get together. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm. Let me go back. Wham, eighty five. Wham, is that about right? Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, Wham yeah. was 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 great. Careless Whisper. Wham. Um, <laughs> and then you had George Michael. Yep. Um, Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. Those those were the people that were in rotation on on MTV. Then they started getting into the hip hop. So I think it was Jazzy J, uh, Jeff and the Fresh Prince right. and, and all of those people. But but the mid 80s was a great era for music because you're coming out of that disco stuff from the 70s. Right. You're getting into the electronic stuff. People are doing things with synthesizers and, and all of that. So you had some mix of disco and funk, but you really had rock was exploding. Then, of course, Michael Jackson. It's just a thriller, um, bad, all of that stuff. In, in the mid 80s. So what was it like? Because I, I didn't get into country music until later. I got into country music really heavily in the early 2000s. Just really well, love country yeah. music. What, what was it like being in Nashville on well, that I scene during probably, that time? For your listeners, I was a country songwriter. So right. <clears throat> broke, had my career in Nashville. Right. Uh, you know, in the mid 80s and before that, that, the Nashville was kind of a small format. That's true. It Nashville's wasn't making so that much, much money. There yeah. weren't big stars. Um, really, Garth Brooks kicked everything into hyperspeed in All the right. early 90s. Right. And the other interesting thing, you mentioned MTV. Before MTV, then they switched over to CMT, which was Country Music right. Television, a right. sister channel. Basically, country artists did not have to be beautiful and, you know, strapping young bucks. They mm. were the kind of, a, you know, just farm boys. Nashville's like, a city of beautiful people, though. Oh, it is, but it didn't. But that that Nashville, used to man. not be a thing. You go to country. a Whole Foods in Franklin, it's uh, smoke shows <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. You can't. I'm not, I'm there trying to get. I'm just trying to get. Uh, I'm trying to get uh, some lunch and spend thirty dollars to get a small plate of lunch at, at Whole Foods, <laughs> and they're just beautiful people every everywhere walking walking around. It's just but that uh, that did not used to be the case. Okay, that's not what Nashville but, is. But once once videos started, all of a sudden uh, you had to be young and pretty. Uh, 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 but anyway, uh, back to how I got involved in this. In the mid-2000s, I did some Armed Forces Entertainment Tours. We had a oh, songwriter nice. band of a bunch of hit songwriters. We traveled around the world. Uh, we went to the Middle East twice, Africa, Kosovo, Western Europe, Japan. Mm. And everywhere we'd go, people would see the guitars come out and hear we were songwriters and want to talk about it or tell you, well, I got a guitar under the bed I don't play. Oh, or, wow. I, or I've always wanted to write a song, but I, I could never write a song. And I said, what, what would happen if we put songwriters together with military? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my role. That's where the whole thing started. Now, now, did you teach yourself how to play the guitar? Or did you have formal lessons when, when you were a child? Like, how did you learn how to play? I just picked it up and, wow. and fought my way through a Beatles songbook. Oh, wow. And I'm dating oh. myself. But oh, nice. anybody wants to learn today, go to YouTube. Yeah. There are free lessons all day long. You can learn, I learn anything. I had to I had to do it the hard way. Now, did you did you sing too? 
Yes. Oh, okay. Very nice. Were actually, you ever in a band or anything? Yeah, uh, I was in bands. I actually had a recording contract oh, wow. in, in the early 80s on uh, Curb Records and, and uh, no, no success as an artist, but that right. made me realize I was a better songwriter better than songwriter. I was artist. So that kind of steered my career path. That's what, what are you gentlemen, I'm, I'm curious because we're you know going off in that tangent, but a lot of people that listen to the show are very curious about the music and people are always saying that, hey, Lance, you do the hip hop stuff, but Nashville is Music City. Can you get more country people on? We've had country music artists sitting in these chairs that, that you're sitting in and had a great time. have educated me. Like I said, I had a boss. I think I told you this the last time you were here. I had a boss that early in my career, he kind of had control of the radio in our department, and he would put country music on thinking that he was doing it to make me angry. Uh, kind of <laughs> to say, that, hey, we're going to listen to this. You know, I'm your boss, and we're going to listen to this. And I was like, man, I love country music. Like, mm-hmm. Give me more of that. It's like it's just you, let's let's let's. Uh, I want to hear the new Chris Isaac song. This out, you know. Want to know <laughs> what was going on? What do you gentlemen think of the state of music today? I mean, we have. I think that there's so much talent, and during what I'm seeing during the COVID time and the quarantine time, a lot of our elite artists went, you know, into the booth and went within themselves into their imagination and in their creativity. I feel like there's a renaissance of just fantastic music coming out in multiple genres, whether it's country, whether it's hip hop, whether it's uh, rock and roll. What do you think about the state of music right now? Man, I think, you know, people always, no, no matter what age you are, you're looking back on some golden era of ah. your youth, you know, and you think, oh my God, it'll never be any better than it was then. But that's mm. not true. God's not making any fewer talented people. Mm. <laughs> but back when I was coming up, there were only two or three different genres. You know, there was like rhythm and blues and rock and roll and maybe soul music. But now the formats are carved up and sliced up in mm. such small little slivers. That's very that well put. You, you might have somebody say, well, they don't play any great music on country. Like commercial country radio is maybe you can quibble with that, and I certainly do. But you can go one format over to Americana, to bluegrass, to outlaw country, and find all kinds of amazing music. So it is out there in spades. No, that's that's interesting. Um, Mike, do you see are people at army bases in Afghanistan, Iraq? Is 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 there a lot of music being played? And I don't mean played on the loudspeaker, but there are a lot of are there a lot of guys with guitars or or different types of instruments actually playing and singing? Is that something that's common, or is all, that not all common? the time? Oh, especially okay. especially during deployments, man. I can't tell wow. you, uh, man. Music is just one of those things that just transports you you know, back home and, uh, it, interesting all the time. Music is fun. Are there a lot of people that sing? Do, do people get groups together or, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about military if there's downtime or, or, <laughs> we, or how that's set up. We'd but. have a few guys that were guitar players. Wow. I, I wasn't a guitar player when I, when I deployed, I didn't learn till afterwards, but, okay. uh, you know, there's always a few guitar players and, uh, you know, they pick out a few songs, but it, it was, uh, it was usually, uh, you know, somebody always had somebody always had this external hard drive that had like a thousand songs on it. You uh, know, and so you're always trying to fight so you could download it. You know, but uh, it was uh, that was just the way we heard music over there. And, and, and but it, man, it was great. It was uh, interesting. You know, so you said you you picked up the guitar when you got home. I did. So yeah. did you just come home? Did you buy a guitar? Did you have a guitar in the house already? This how how did that happen? Well, you got, got pretty dang good at it. Well, I'm okay, yeah. man. I'm just, I'm, I'm just good enough to be dangerous. But, uh, you know, I had, uh, I didn't have a guitar, so All I right. got home and I was, you know, I ended up going through the medical retirement process, and it was a big that. struggle. Right. Uh, so my mom had this guitar in her closet, 
uh, back at the back of the house, and, and man, it had been there ever since I was a kid. And nobody oh, wow. nobody picked that thing up, and so I, I always say now it was just sitting there waiting for me because uh, I took it home. It and, literally was, yeah. and uh, got on YouTube and and learned how YouTube, to play. Okay. Yeah, okay. no, that's um, yeah, that's 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 just such a, a great story. How you now? Did you did you sing before going into the military? Because you sing too. Did you? teach yourself how to sing or did you sing when you were younger? Is I'm still trying to learn how to sing. Still trying to learn. Yeah, but uh, I'm still Um, working on that. But uh, what what we're going to do, we're cut to one more break and then um, get these gentlemen to get their their guitars out and and their stuff out. And uh, you sang a fantastic song for us last time that that, um, had a little allergy in my eye that that, that Uh. came out on, (laughs) on, on that day. It was in the summer. I had summer allergies and want to see what you guys have. So we're going to have, we're going to have, uh, Mike Byer and Bob Regan from Operation Song. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna show us some of their music and, and some of the things that they've actually directly been working on when we get back. More to Lance Day Radio Network. Live from the Paragon Seven Studios, you are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon Seven Studios. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. You know what? I didn't tell you this, Slants. I went to Hampton. What? What? Yeah, I went to Hampton. You? You went to Hampton? Yep. Man, you. We've been doing a show together for a whole year. You just pull it out that you went to Hampton. I never went to class. I was just oh, partying. So you, so you enrolled at Hampton. James Lewis. You didn't I actually, enrolled at Hampton. You didn't actually go to Hampton. Well, I had a couple of good friends. They all went to Hampton, but and I was just sleeping on their couch, so. I went to some of the classes. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. As a former quality executive who has literally retrieved and coded millions of charts, I've worked with our new partners over at Episource for many years and am proud to now serve as a brand ambassador and part of their product development team. Episource is a global industry leader in chart retrieval, coding, quality analytics, and in-home assessments. For information on Episource, go to www.episource.com and fill out one of their contact forms to request a demonstration. We begin searching for ways to not only feed, not only bridge the access to food, but how can we fight disease? Quite naturally, that required, it was a must that we figure out how to get fresh produce, crisp greens, leafy greens, and fruits and herbs and vegetables directly to the front door of those families that needed it the most. And so we finally come out with a solution and we call that Full Cart Fresh. We have teamed up with some of the the greatest people in America, our American farmers. And through working with a collaborative of farmers across multiple states, we have created Full Cart Fresh. So imagine this, You're at a farm, the produce is picked and prepared, and it's boxed in a full cart fresh box at the farm. And then through our shipping and logistics uh, program, we ship directly from the farm, directly to the front door of the most vulnerable families in America. 
We have got families and seniors and children around the country who are hungry and as well as hungry are really managing and coping with serious illnesses and diseases. So come along, help us. Help Feeding Children Everywhere through our Full Cart program and the launch of our new Full Cart Fresh. Help those families in need.